according to the ISPCA, dogs are being cast aside because of the cost of living crisis. How is the fallout from the ending of the pandemic and the cost of living crisis impacting family pets? Would anyone dream of casting out their family pet when pressure comes on the wallet? Well, we're joined by Dr. Cyril Sullivan, Chief Executive of the ISPCA. Uh, good morning to you. How are you doing, Cyril? I'm great, Joe. Good to, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. So you're hearing about this, your family pets suffering because of the pressures on families, the cost of living. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a double effect, really. So what's happened is that during COVID, everybody was sent home, which uh, was very important in terms of society, in terms of getting people back uh, to normal society. But, uh, but one of the benefits of that was people were at home with their families and they decided to uh, take in an animal that they probably couldn't do beforehand. So you probably recall that the price of, uh, of 50 dogs, the price of a dog quadrupled during that time. Uh, because and I recall the stealing of dogs went through the roof as well, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely, and there's a whole pile of issues around that in terms of uh, accountability because if people aren't microchipping and getting the dogs licensed, uh, if they're stolen, it's very hard to get them back. But it, we can go back to that in a second. But just to say, in terms of the um, COVID effect, it was very positive. Even for us uh, animal welfare um, organisations, um, we found that people were uh, queuing take the dogs off, which is great, because the ultimate outcome for us in an animal welfare organisation, and we're the ISPCA, the largest one in Ireland, is to have the animal rescued from cruelty, brought to the centre for rehab, and to get it rehomed. So it was yeah. but, 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 but the obvious problem, though, Cyril, is that, you know, like people were understandably living day to day during the pandemic, but yeah. thankfully it was always going to end. Yeah. And that all some of the fancier notions about people having more time after COVID and, you know, um, flexible working and home working and all of that. Some of that has been true. Much of it hasn't been. So what do you, what do, you do with the pet? Yeah, so that's exactly it. What's happened is everybody now is uh, going back to work and, and uh, don't have the same, they don't have the same amount of time that they had. Uh, so we're in a situation now where they're caught with an animal that they sort of brought in um, and, they're, and they're trying to sort of figure out how they're going to manage it. Um, a lot of businesses, and in fairness to them, have got pet friendly and people are able to maintain their animals that way, which is terrific. But uh, the upshot has been that uh, uh, ISPCA, we take animals out of cruelty. We don't just take, you know, stray animals. That's really for the local authorities. But the number of cruelty cases and uh, number of puppy farms uh, have just gone uh, skyrocketed. And uh, on top of that, because people have gone back to work, we have a double effect as well in that people aren't taking animals in in the same numbers. The rehoming of animals has gone down. So uh, our centres, we have four centres across Ireland in Donegal, Longford, Cork, and Mallow, and in Wicklow. They're all full. Uh, so we can't stop our business. We we get ten to fifteen thousand calls a year on from people complaining about cruelty to animals and our inspectors. We have nine inspectors across the country going out inspecting and taking animals out of cruelty. They're authorised officers under the law, um, and the, we have to keep working. We can't sort of say, well, that animal is in a cruel situation. There, uh, we're going to leave it. We can't. We have to keep working. So. We, uh, ISPCA, are in a situation now where we have to rent uh, boarding, you know, private boarding, at an extremely high cost. So it's a, it's turning into a, a crisis for us, Joe. Yeah, and James has been in touch saying cost of living, by the way, isn't just about electricity and gas bills. Dog food has doubled in price. 
So there that, is a very that, direct impact. And is that causing people, unfortunately, in some extreme instances, to, to abandon their dogs? Yeah. And, and you throw in vet costs, uh, you know, even simple vaccination stuff that people have to do, they've doubled. And uh, so it's a case that all of the costs related to maintaining your animal have gone up. Um, so, yeah, so that cost of living, um, return to work, there's been a whole series of issues. Now, having said that, it is a temporary situation. It's a bit like COVID itself, as you just described earlier, in that the number of dogs went up temporarily and are now going down. But we have to work our way through this. So, um, ISPCA, we have to pay our vets, the same as everybody else. Uh, we've examined the costs, and it really is it's amazing in terms of uh, food as well as, as vet costs. Across the country, you'll find very different prices. Uh, Joe, you're going to find, if you go into Limerick City, uh, it may be a higher cost than a rural veterinary practice. So we'd suggest to uh, your listeners to, you know, to shop around and don't be afraid to negotiate because um, if there is variations there and there's a number of factors impacting the likes of vet costs. We're chatting to Dr. Cyril Sullivan from the Irish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Now, we won't go into the specific details here, but footage emerged online in this region of a person dumping a dog and driving off recently. What impact does that have on a family pet? Um, it's massive, but they're, they're the sort of things that are happening. And, and, and for ISPCA, people uh, are ringing us up on our helpline and we're going out rescuing those animals. We had a, a small uh, puppy spaniel uh, tied by a twine to a, a tree last week, uh, left in the forest, and the family going out for a walk rang us and we were able to rescue it. So this is all too prevalent, Joe. Uh, so the impact is massive. Uh, the, our job is to take those animals in, to put them into a rehab, uh, rehab um, function, you know, to get them you know, healthy. Uh, get them into our kennels and ultimately into a loving home. So, as I said, it's the key thing for us is to get them into a loving home. The private kenneling that we're using at the moment is great to have and to be able to get us through this, but it's costing a lot of money and, and I suppose we're going to have to uh, launch an appeal shortly to people else to fund us. We, know, we will be doing that. But yeah, Matt, and, and, and Matt, just, a big, just a big shout out as well to Limerick Animal Welfare down beside you there, Marion Fitzgibbon and Chair Gunning and, and their colleagues. They do a lot of work down there, really right. good work. Uh, well, well, you mentioned Marion Fitzgibbon. Another Marion has been in touch with us, mm-hmm. um, wanted to adopt a dog recently and said she had to fill out more forms than she did when applying for a mortgage and it put her off adopting. She abandoned the idea, too much paperwork and nonsense. Well, I, I, look, the issue for us is, and it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's a three-page form, and the issue for us, Joe, is if we just hand dogs back out without doing the appropriate checks, without doing a home check, all that's going to happen is it's going to be a circular effect. They're going to just come right back at us. We, our job is to make sure that they're sent into a loving home, into a home that's going to take care of them. And anybody who's filling out those forms, and with all due respect to Marion, I think it'd be important for her to recognise that what she's actually doing is a really, really big thing by taking in a dog and adopting. The form is there designed, and it's, it is kept to a minimum, but it is designed purely to protect the animal. And, you know, our job, as I said, is to send them into a loving home. Those processes are kept to a minimum, but they are important processes. We can't, we can't get away from that. And you can appreciate that yourself, Joe. We couldn't send an animal out without doing appropriate checks. Yeah. We're also joined in the studio by Aintu's representative in Limerick, one of them, Sarah Beasley. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good, Joe. Um, How are you? So, I know you've been involved in efforts to establish a cross-party doll animal welfare group, which you're saying is urgently needed. Tell us more about it. Yes, I've obviously, I'm on uh, social media a lot and I follow all these cruelty cases and lost um, pets and there's um, 
you know, we know ourselves it went up in, in COVID. There was so many pets stolen and uh, there's a lady, Lisa O'Connor, who set up um, an a all-island um, pet uh, theft um, Facebook page. So if your dog was stolen, you could put it on and it could be shared across the country and hopefully the idea was to get the, the dog back. So we look, all of us were animal welfare advocates and we got together and, uh, this includes Limbic Animal Welfare and Star Rescue down in Newcastle West. And what's happening is that they are on the knees. The rescues are on the knees. They have never seen so much abuse and abandonment. And at the end of the day, we need the politicians to listen. They're giving 17 million to the greyhound industry. And yet, Law only got a hundred thousand. You know that won't cost. Uh, that would be a week or two weeks uh, veterinary fees for them. So we came together and we called ourselves uh, companion advo- ad- animal advocates, and that takes in dog, cats, equines. Because I've never seen before the amount of cruelty and the amount of dumping. Uh, uh, okay, and how will that have an impact on the doll then? Because we went to the doll um, last Wednesday and uh, we went into the AV room and all the senators and TDs were invited and we were quite surprised that there was a range um, of political parties there and when we went through what's happening, my lovely horse described what's happening with equine cruelty they all agreed that it's needed. There's no point in one political party doing one thing and another doing another. They've all agreed that animal welfare is a huge issue. It needs funding and it needs to be addressed now because it's happening in every constituency. Uh, and they so can see it. what about the law then itself? The law needs to change. And what we, we, we were asking for was a guard unit, a dedicated guard unit that can go in and actually do something about the puppy farming cruelty you know, animal uh, cruelty, the horse equine cruelty, we see it all the time. Um, So something was definitely needed and uh, they've all agreed to do it. So it's just a matter now of tying them down and making sure that they do as they say. Uh, Cyril, what's your reaction to that, what Sarah was saying? It's great to to hear Sarah on this morning uh, discussing that and and supporting that forward. Obviously, ISPCA... Uh, you know, we're we're in the same position in the sense that we want the legislation um, in place. We advocate for it. We were in the dollar sales recently with the 2000 updates on the 2013 Animal Welfare Act um, around seizure dogs, and there's a few issues there. So yeah, we, we'd really welcome it. The only issue I think, and I think Sarah would agree, um, and it's come out of the interdepartmental group report recently, is enforcement. You know, so the ICCA, we have nine inspectors, and we have a very successful enforcement. Uh, rate and that any of the cases you bring to court we brought 25 in last year all successfully prosecuted but that's only 25 and uh, we as I said our resources are very limited we're authorised officers under the 2013 Act the same as Angarda but the guards have a whole range of issues that they have to deal with and uh, we are purely dedicated to the animal welfare side so the more resources that can be directed to the likes of us in terms of um, the number of inspectors and in terms of our centres, because obviously, as uh, Sarah mentioned there, all the animal welfare centres are full and they're uh, closing up in the sense of the thing they're full, shelter is closed. ISPCA can't do that. So we welcome what Sarah's doing, but I think for us, the issue is legislation is there to a large degree. The Control of Dogs Act is there. You know, as I said, the Animal Health and Welfare Act is there, but it's the enforcement of it. Mm. And the thing is, um, Sarah, 
you know, it, it's a cliche, but there's a reason that it's said that a puppy isn't just for Christmas, it's for life, you know, because you are entering a commitment that can go on for 12, 13, 14, 15 years. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, and, and I can think I can understand this because it was the stresses that people were under. They saw the idea of the companionship, but where has it left us? Yeah, I mean, taking on an animal is a huge commitment. And with the enforcement and legislation, we also have to really um, push for people to realise they need to have their dog licensed. They also need to have their dog um, microchipped. And just in case they do go missing, that, that's the enforcement is there. And we, if there was a national database, um, like there is for everything else, we should have a national database that we can just go in and log in the guards can go in, the animal welfare charities can go in and trace this animal because um, some of them are being used for awful cruelty, uh, dog baiting, things like that. We know it's happening. And you've experienced in the veterinary world, if, for example, a dog is abandoned, a family pet, um, it must have a deep um, emotional and psychological impact on the animal. Yeah, I mean, we were speaking to people that do... Um, all around the, the way the animal thinks. I mean, they, they suffer um, anger, they suffer misery, they, they enjoy happiness, um, they get depressed. So they are sentient animals and we have to turn around and recognise that. And they are for life. So it's a huge commitment. So I agree that, yeah, there might, there might be paperwork there, but there's a reason for it. We're just double checking that this animal is going to be with you for life. Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you both very much. We'll continue uh, this conversation with both of you and with others because it definitely is very much on the agenda now from what we're seeing and hearing on this show and social media, etc., especially with the cost of living issues. And we've heard about the dog food situation for a while um, and also uh, the coming out of COVID changes too. Thank you very much to Sarah Beasley from Aim2 in Limerick and to Dr. Cyril Sullivan, who's CEO of the ISPCA. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with